Hi friends, I'm Molly and we're here today with our Relief from Darkness crew where we're continuing our conversations exploring how we can truly be set free from the stuck places in our lives. And we are talking anything from complex trauma to nightmares to addiction to eating disorders and seriously everything in between. Because here at No Boundaries, we really do believe that the thought processes that have us in these stuck places can be healed. And as those thought processes start to heal, our brain starts to change. And if you change your brain, you change your life. Woohoo! So I'm super excited today because I'm here with our very own brain geek, Dr. Lori Basie. Hey guys. Where we're going to be unpacking the connection portion of CPR and under that connection portion, the connection with self. So just to kind of recap, we've gone through how we know if something's wrong and if we (laughs) like if we're not experiencing the fruit of the spirit or we aren't thinking about the things that the Bible says that we're allowed to think about that signals something in us that something's off. And then in our last portion, we talked about how we connect with God. And again, this is going to be super critical because I think you guys will see that actually as you connect with self and others, you're still just connecting with Jesus. So that's a little spoiler alert for free. So with that, Dr. Lori. Yes. Talk to us about connection with self. You know, these are, the connection is so critical. And so the, the first command is really to love God and then to love others as we love ourselves. And so as we built that foundation with connecting with God, now I want to really build a clear connection with ourself. And around here, I like to to tease, and the question is, and let's just ask Molly, Molly, what's the only thing worse than being a big, hot, dysfunctional mess? Being a big, hot, dysfunctional mess in denial. And she wins the prize. And so it's critical that we have a good, clear picture and representation of ourselves. Now, I want a backstory, and I'll tell you a little bit about what we were up to over uh, the last holiday season, we were so excited that we felt like Jesus was going to minister to people in desperation with extravagance. And so one of our team members uh, used to be prostituted and trafficked out of a motel and really, really bad things happened at this particular motel. And so she had a radical encounter with Jesus. She spent a year in boot camp with Jesus. She's gotten her life back together. It's actually a miraculous story that we'll have to tell at some point. And she wanted to go back into this particular motel where she was 15 years old being trafficked and had a baby. And so we went back to this motel and y'all, it was really, really tough and a perfect place for Jesus to show up. And so I'll never forget one night we were there and we were doing extravagant things and he was showing up extravagantly. And I just stood outside in the parking lot watching all of the things happen with extravagant resources and presents and food and all of those things with tears in my eyes as I watched the kids that lived in this particular motel and the illegal activity and the substance abuse and the prostitution and the human trafficking. And it was actually right before we were getting ready to go on a trip. And so as we were planning to go on a trip, usually I take a lot of consideration into the budget and I try to get lower end hotels because we want to utilize resources for the advancement of the gospel of the kingdom. And so, but I thought, 
you know, I want to do something just uh, just to make sure because of the motel that we've been working in. Our team had gone there four nights in a row. We're traveling and I want to get a nice hotel. And so I got online and I found this hotel and and here's what it advertised. It said it's got a nice pool. It's got a fitness center with a made to order breakfast, premium bedding and bed sheets. And <laughs> I thought, yes, we're going to go. Molly was on this trip. And so we drive for like eight hours. We're pulling up into this hotel. I'm ready to go exercise after sitting in the car for eight hours. And I'm excited about the nice clean room and just an environment that we all needed to just get away for a little bit after working so hard and the things that we'd been exposed to recently. And as we pulled up to this hotel, there were actually three women working outside of the hotel. They were prostituting. And then we walk in to check in and there's a cockroach that's embedded in the tile in front of the front <laughs> desk. And it goes on and on and on. We went up to our room that smelled like an ashtray. The toilet barely flushed. And so then I decided to change and go down to the fitness center. And when we got into the fitness center, I was... Y'all, I was afraid to touch anything and it was absolutely horrific. And then the biggest decision that I had to make in that hotel is at night, did I want to walk on the carpet that crunched with my socks or with my bare feet? And so we could not get out of that hotel fast enough. And the made to order breakfast, well, let's just put it like this. I didn't eat breakfast. And so, (laughs) so the thing that I want to talk about with self-awareness in ourself is what happened at this hotel. And it's what I like to call spin that I represent one thing, or I say one thing, but then once you look inside the rooms or you go inside the door of the hotel, or even at this hotel on the outside of this hotel, it was a totally different thing than what was represented. And so we've got to get in tune with ourselves. We've got to connect with ourselves and we've got to be real. And there's this thing inside of us that wants to separate us from the truth and away from God. And it's interesting that when Adam and Eve sinned, they went and hid and tried to cover themselves. And so what I want to encourage us to do is to not put spin on ourselves to say one thing or to look at ourselves in one way or to only look at certain things about ourselves, but we've got to get real and there's no right or wrong. There's no how bad it is. The only, in my opinion, the only wrong thing is denial that we have to be real. And, and if there are imprints of cockroaches, if it's not safe to walk on the carpet, I mean, we just need to tell it like it is. I heard a a story about a good room at one point, and I think this is a really, really good example. And, And so what's a good room? And I don't know if you have this room in your house or maybe in your grandmother's house, and it's the room that looks better than everything else. And and it's not the the one that has dog pee on the carpet or you're allowed to eat your Cheetos and your your soft drinks or your Slurpees on the couch. I mean, and sometimes there's even 
things that cover the couch to prevent anything from getting on the couch. That's the good room, maybe where the china is located. And in a lot of people's houses, it would be the room that when you walk into the front door, that's what you would see. Or you walk by the outside window, that's a room as you peered into the window that you would see. And so I want you to do this visualization with me. I want you to imagine that you're the house. You're a house. And outside of you, outside of you is the house, is Jesus. And Jesus wants to come in. And he wants you to invite him in. And if we're somebody that's put spin on, or if we feel shame or condemnation or guilt, or if we haven't been real about who we are and and all of us, like at that hotel, then we don't want to invite him in. And he wants to come in and we, we're okay with him being on the outside because I'm not even aware of what's really going on on the inside. And so, but then when things get bad, when things happen to us, sometimes we'll then crack the door and we'll ask him for something. Can you imagine us then cracking the door and peeking our head out and say, yo, Jesus, I want this. And, and so, or if our house is a mess, we don't want to invite him into our house because we think we need to clean it up first. The relationships that we have with others, the pride that we have, the sin, the addiction, the thoughts, we think we need to clean up first before and straighten up the house before Jesus is even allowed to come in. But the only one who can clean the house up is the one who's standing outside of the door. Mm-hmm. And so we need to move Jesus in. And some of us have just let Jesus come in, but he's only allowed to come into the one room, the good room. And so it's usually, again, the biggest room with the window that everybody can see in. And so everybody sees in and they peer in and they think that the entire house is clean because of the one room, but it's really not. And so I want to encourage us to really think about our lives and our connection with ourselves and get really real with ourselves, not out of shame or guilt or condemnation or hiding or out of the fact that we think we have to clean up the room before we invite Jesus in. It's actually only when we make the decision to invite Jesus into the entire house that he shows up with the contractor, which is the Holy Spirit, and they together partnering with us will make the whole house clean. Yeah, that's beautiful. Molly, that was good. That was really good. And just, I have a couple of quotes from this book. It's called The Gift of Being Yourself. And I love the way this book kind of um, introduces this topic of connecting with you because the only way, again, that you really connect with you is just another way of saying that you're really connecting with God. So here's this quote. And it says, Christian spirituality involves a transformation of the self that occurs only when God and self are both deeply known. Both, therefore, have an important place in Christian spirituality. There is no deep knowing of God without a deep knowing of self and no deep knowing of self without a deep knowing of God. And I think sometimes, um, like, I know we can get into this place of where we're just going to you know, not ever make it about us. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to get to where we're just self-obsessed in those types of things. But there is an invitation 
for us to look inward and know who he is in us, because that's what makes him real, if that makes sense. So just to continue on, it says, back to the book, it says, leaving the self out of Christian spirituality results in a spirituality that is not well-grounded in experience. It is therefore not well-grounded in reality. Focusing on God while failing to know ourselves deeply may produce an external form of piety, but will always leave a gap between appearance and reality. So just to break this down, I know that that was a lot of words, but to break this down, you guys, this is so dangerous because this is how you produce what this book refers to and what here at No Boundaries what we refer to as a false self. So this is where Mm -hmm. you get a public self that is so detached from what you're actually experiencing internally, which is going to be our true experience, if that makes sense. Like we're the only ones, um, like when something becomes real to us or when someone becomes real to us, it's because we've experienced them and it's going to be through the way that they've met us in a real physical way, if that makes sense. So like if I'm sitting across from Dr. Lori, right? And if you've heard her on the podcast, then you might know her as our resident brain geek, which y'all, she really is. That is very true. Watch out. Watch out. (laughs) Or you might know her as someone who, you know, helps people out of complex trauma or who goes and teaches. And all of these things can be factual knowledge, but you don't really know her, if that makes sense. So like, but me, I've been here for how long? A long time, four years. Mm -hmm. And I have experienced Dr. Lori helping me actually walk through complex trauma. And so I know that it's real. And so when we can invite Jesus into the, into the room of our house that needs cleaning up and we can look at it, then we experience him with our senses. Like, I know that I know that he's real because he's revealed this to me inside of me. And no one can take that away. I mean, that's where testimony comes from. Like it's where he's met us in our dirtiest parts and is willing to say, hey, forgiven or hey, clean or hey, holy, righteous, all of those things. And you can have the head knowledge that God forgives and still not have the experiential knowledge of being forgiven. And when you create kind of this this chasm between the two, then what happens is then you get this filter to where you are putting on a show or something for the public and internally you might be really, really struggling. And so you don't really know him on that experiential level. And this is super dangerous. It can be dangerous for the people you're leading. It can be dangerous for you. We've all at some point heard the stories of the mighty man of God or the mighty woman of God who yet has taken another fall. Right, who's taken another fall, who's said all the things and had the head knowledge of God enough to preach and lead sometimes millions to Christ, but then they have the big oops in a sinful moment, and it's a very public uh, downfall. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying, Dr. Mm -hmm. Lloyd? Does that make sense? Yeah, it really does. And so I think it's, it's really, really critical that we take a good hard look at then who are we. And who we are is something that needs to be brought to Jesus. And again, we don't clean up our house before he comes in. We need to invite him in and he and I need to take a really good look at me. I love to call it get real. And so I need to get Mm -hmm. real with me. 
And I think about one of my favorite activities to do with lots and lots of people, if I had to pick one activity to do, is I love for people to do a personal history. And I like to think about stepping stones. And so if you imagine the significant events in your life as stepping stones, and then you started to list all of those significant things that that have happened to you as far back as you could remember, those stones actually shape our life both positive and negative. And as we start to identify who we are and what's happened to us and why we act like we do, then we could bring some of the subconscious behavior to the consciousness as we get to know ourselves. Because if we put up a false image and if we relate to the world with false pretenses, or if we even try to love and have intimate relationships or, or connections, even with the body of Christ, and it's with this false sense of self, or if it's with a mask, then, then the, the connection really never penetrates the mask. Yeah, that's really good. So there's this, um, this thing like it's when we don't know, when we don't know our true selves, as Dr. Lori was saying, then what happens is this mask that she's talking about is we start to, to cover our true thoughts and our true motives. Uh-huh. And so when publicly we're behaving a certain way, but inwardly we've got wonky or just sinful thoughts or sinful motives, uh, we cover those things. And so no one has access to them, in, including Jesus. And then sometimes we don't even see it. I mean, there's a reason why it's called deception. But I'm pretty sure if you asked your uh, closest friend group, <laughs> <laughs> yep. they would see it before you could. And But you don't need them to see it. You need Jesus to see it so that he can heal it. And we have a saying here that we use all the time. It's called, you can't crucify what you cover. So if you can't even acknowledge this stuff, the hidden motives or the wonky thought processes or the gross kind of stuff that's in you, you can't heal from that. If you're still trying to cover it and pretend that it doesn't exist, Mm -hmm. then you never get to let Jesus meet you in that place. So it never gets healed. And then you're kind of operating I mean, you're saved, right? But you're not walking in the fullness of what salvation brings. And you guys, I've had this experience just to make it a little bit personal. So I, um, man, I struggled really badly with impulse control, (laughs) just really badly. And just based off of the things that have happened to me and off of sin and things that I needed, that I didn't know that I was seeking after. So one time it was through this book, again, um, The Gift of Being Yourself and uh, Dr. Lori and the other co-founder kind of, I feel like tricked me into a car conference is what they call it, (laughs) where they're like, we're just going to listen to this book on our 10 hour or 24 hour journey in the car to wherever we are going. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And I'm reading this book, you guys. And I'm just like, man, I think like, if I could look at all the parts of me, if I could bring them to the table and really sit down and not in shame or guilt, but sit down and look at them, I was like, you guys, I think I have some adrenaline seeking behaviors and maybe some attention seeking behaviors. And I mean, again, the people who are closest to you, they're like, Ooh, yeah. Like (laughs) there it is. Like ding, ding, ding. There it is. What was your first sign? But for me to look at that and then out of relationship of, of knowing that inside of me. So this is a, an area where I get to know myself 
And I say, okay, I recognize that I have adrenaline-seeking behavior that's leading to poor impulse control, and I have attention-seeking behavior, and I can bring that to the table and say, Jesus, what do you want to do with that? This is a dirty room in my house. I don't want people to see this. And I mean, even if I'm not covering it very well, apparently, (laughs) but like, what do I do with that? And then you invite him in and you guys, what he did was beautiful. I mean, he highlighted this need in me that I had for security and everything that I was doing was aiming to get some kind of stability, security, or belonging from people. And if I wouldn't have seen that and brought that to the table, I would still be operating out of it. But if you, as he heals that in me, then I'm free and I know him in an experiential way that he's real. And then I start asking him questions. So Jesus, how am I stable in you? How are you going to meet this desire in me for attention or adrenaline? Because I do like to have fun. So Jesus, how are you going to have fun with me today? And that's relational. And as he starts building that up in me, then I'm not looking for it in other people. And when I'm not looking for it in other people, then I have the ability to then love that other person without an expectation or having a need in me that needs to be met. Because people won't be able to meet that. He will not let a person or a thing meet that desire in me. But I wouldn't have even recognized it if I hadn't taken a step back, assessed what I really needed, and brought it to the table to be crucified. I mean, it wasn't fun, but I don't want to like, it wasn't like super fun to know this about myself, but it was completely necessary. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Laura, do you have anything to add to that? I think that's really good because when we connect with ourselves, underlying, we know that something just ain't quite right. And so if we connect with ourselves and we can actually identify what it is and actually quit covering and get to the root of it, it actually inhibits fear. So the fear is the thing about the unknown or I'm afraid to do. And so if we'll just press in and do that, then it also does something physiologically. It creates this this ability for our brain to tolerate distress. And so if I'm not trying to cover something, can you imagine the amount of energy that we have to to have to ignore something or to cover something or to pretend like something's not there or to walk in deceit. It's just so much more freeing and will will not have as much energy spent trying to cover and to protect. And that'll decrease the fear if we'll just connect with ourselves. And then as we connect with ourselves, it'll actually produce then this thing that'll rise up inside of us that we can actually now do something about it. And so then we can start to develop this compassion for ourselves. and back to the, the stepping stones in the history then, well, if I usually responded that way, or if this thing happened to me, then I took on this belief system or I believe this lie, or I developed this behavior for protection. And instead of trying to cover that, then I can go back and I can heal not only the the adaptive responses that I have with the behaviors, but then I can heal by finding out where Jesus was in the situation where I learned that behavior to start with. And so it's a beautiful process that always leads into progress and into health. And it's just really so much better for us. It really is. And that's where, so if I had these 
behaviors, just still using me as an example for what she's saying. So if I had these attention and adrenaline seeking behaviors, it was from a need that I had, right? That just didn't get met. And so as Jesus heals that, and then I'm free to experience him, then what's happening is, is I'm knowing him in it, that I'm knowing me deeper, which goes back to the quote that we started with from, from the beginning of there is no deep knowing of God without a deep knowing of self and no deep knowing of self without a deep knowing of God. And when these two things emerge, and as we're knowing him in our experiential way, because he's cleaning the room or he's going through the stepping stones or whatever the thing is, then we're so much better grounded on a firm foundation of him. Mm -hmm. Then it's not just so where the feelings and uh, the behaviors or the things that we think we have to cover, they don't need to be covered anymore because he's going to meet that desire. Mm -hmm. So there was one time, you guys, um, <laughs> again, with the attention-seeking behaviors. So there was one time, it was, it was dark outside, and I just pulled up into the driveway, and I couldn't really see that well. And I'm just a little bit clumsy because I don't always uh, pay attention to how I'm walking or where I'm walking. And I was going up to, to the house and it's nighttime and I trip and I start to fall and I'm trying to catch myself and I can't. And I took a pretty, a pretty hard fall on the concrete. And my arm was, I thought was going to be broken, honestly. And I oh, landed man. straight on my arm. And you guys, what happened was, is I started rolling around in the driveway and I was just like, oh man, that hurt my arm. Like, ah, <laughs> like I'm just rolling around until I realized I was like, hold on, no one's home yet. <laughs> like there's no one inside that's going to come check on me. not going to work. Yes. And I was like, oh, so you know what I did when I realized that no one was home and coming for me? I got up and I went inside and I looked at it and I poked it and it was bleeding and I cleaned it up and I put a bandaid on it and I called it a day. But what I realized is I was like, hold on though, but what need in me did I need met if I'm going to roll around on the driveway and then it affects others, you guys, when we don't know ourselves or we're not willing to heal those uh -huh. things, it affects others. Because if someone had been home, they would have given me all this attention for what? Out of manipulation? Mm -hmm. And so that's not healthy. And so what I did is I said, okay, Jesus, what do I need to bring to the table? He's like, man, again, it's that attention-seeking behavior. And I was like, okay, well then, then Jesus, how are you paying attention to me right now? He's like, let me sit with you. And I was like, Jesus, did you see my fall? And he was like, yeah, I sure did. And I was like, do you see my arm? And he's like, yeah, I sure do. And I was like, do you want to touch the gross part? I always poke my wounds. I was like, you want to touch it? And he's like, yeah, let's look at it. And so then he's, that's just another example that's a little bit lighter of how he's meeting that need in me. And it started with me even acknowledging that I had the need in the first place. And it's not a bad thing to have these desires or to have these needs that be met. It's just really important that we can acknowledge it in us and take it to the only one who can satisfy. That's so good. And what was the need? I needed attention. Yeah. 
And so let's just say that let's just play that through and people were home and they came out and they gave her all the attention that would have, that would have fulfilled that need, but it would have been a substitution. And actually it would have fed the need for attention even Mm -hmm. greater. It's like feeding the addiction. And so instead of starving, then the, the substitute for the real thing and sitting in, I need attention and then allowing Jesus to come and heal it. What a beautiful example. And so that leads us to the questions then. So again, what, what's inside of me and what are my blind spots? They say that the average person has two or three blind spots. And so shame, secrecy, sin, withdrawing from God, going away from God, trying to get the house clean before they never, ever, ever are from him. He wants to connect with us. He wants to be with us, even in the midst of our sin. He knows and already has known what we're going to do way before we even do it. Mm -hmm. And how bad was it? I mean, how bad are all these things that we've done? And how bad is our worst room? Bad enough for him to have to die for. Wow. And so he's already done it. And so we can either let him come in or we can just continue to be in denial and not crucify the the things that need to be crucified because we won't even admit to and bring it to him. Yeah, that's really good. So just just to summarize, here's here's what I'm hearing. Here's what we're trying to convey is you guys, if there's something off and you know it, man, like you are going to be your best accountability partner because you're the only one that knows your true motives and your true thoughts. And I really feel like this is a time, an invitation to take an inventory of your true thoughts and your true motives and just ask him like, man, Jesus, like, what am I needing? Or did I behave in a certain way for attention or security or belonging or achievement or significance or whatever the thing is and just let him meet you in it. The grossest parts, because as you're free, it's going to be free people that free people. And then when you're not carrying around that wound because he's healing it and he's meeting you in it, you're knowing yourself and you're knowing him. And that's what all of this is about, is connecting with yourself to know who you are in Christ and to know who he is in you. So thank you, Dr. Laura, for joining us. Absolutely. And thank you guys for listening to Relief from Darkness, where we are talking about how to change our brains. Because if you change your brain, you change your life. And connecting with yourself in this will, in fact, give you a new neural pathway to go back to that will be healed and set free in Him. So thank you guys. Until next time. See you next time. Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org, where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.